Hello, hello, hello. I am trying to picture Kelly Beam cutting my hair without shaving all my hair off. Where's Kelly? You're amazing. Haddon, you guys are amazing. I love you too. All right. You happy? Give yourself a high five quickly. Look at the person next to you. Say, you are so beautiful. Say it slowly. Look at the person next to you. Say, I am so beautiful. <laughs> Which one was easier for you to say? I'm just curious. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to just go through it this morning. I hope this makes sense to you like it makes sense to me. I want to try and um, bring some clarity as it pertains to the gospel being relevant to the renewing of our minds that influences our actions in a way that it did uh, for Jesus. If you look at Jesus, he was the most naturally supernatural person on the planet, correct? Don't you just envy the ease that he did life with him? The ease, the honesty, the way he he endured trials and difficulty. I look at it and I'm like, this is not... um, a watch me do this kind of thing. This is an invitation. This is him saying, in a sense, hey, this is you too, if you know him the way I know him. That's really the good news. He's saying, so I'm going to send my spirit to abide in you so that what I started in you, I will help you maintain and I will finish it as well. Does that make sense? And so I, I just noticed recently this I'm so infatuated by the subject of the subconscious mind. Say subconscious mind or unconscious mind. Can you pull up that stat? The subconscious mind controls 95% of our circumstances, of how our circumstances manifest and our beliefs shape our lives. The power of the subconscious is about a million times greater than our conscious mind. 95% of what we do, why we do, when we do, how we do, is influenced by the subconscious mind, which literally means, sub means below, conscious has to do with awareness. Con means with, science means knowledge. The word science means knowledge. So it's really conscience is the knowledge of yourself. But subconscious is, in a nutshell, Um, unaware of or not aware. So the question is, what am I not aware of that I should be aware of? And what am I always aware of and why am I always aware of it? And how do I, how is it influencing me and how do I deal with that? And how does the gospel influence that space? Does that make sense? I'm convinced, this is my opinion, that that 95% is the part that Paul talks about renewing. It's the subconscious mind. It just makes perfect sense. I mean, science always interprets scripture so well. I love it. Right? 
95%, a million times greater. Ephesians 4, if you want a verse, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Spirit is unseen. So we don't see, we don't understand, we don't know. So here now, if you took some time every day to begin to become a student, on the thing that influences your behavior the most, and you lined it up with scripture, you will just begin to experience transformation much more naturally. Like in other words, I don't have to just sit here and wait for God to come and change me. Like God gave us a brain, and then he gave us the internet. I call it God plus Google. (laughs) And he said, go study. Go research. But I don't go study and research so that I can teach. I study and research so that I can grow. So that I can change, so that I can change. Does that make sense? So he says, uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The subconscious mind. The part of me that I am not even aware of, that I'm not even conscious of. When was the last time you drove a car and you looked at it and you said, Oh my God, I'm driving. Watch me drive. I'm driving. I'm driving. Or you brush your teeth and you're like, so conscious of yourself brushing your teeth. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm brushing my teeth. This is amazing. Look at me brush my teeth. No, there's a special place for you and it has white padded walls, right? If that's the case. This is us doing something subconsciously. It is natural now. It is habitual now. It is so normal now. I'm going somewhere with this. It is so normal to just drive the car. It is so normal to just sit down. We do these things. Do you ever think about breathing, yet you breathe every day, all day long? Your subconscious mind just handles all of that naturally. I'm breathing. Oh my God, I'm breathing, Darren, I'm breathing. This is amazing. Watch me breathe. That's unnatural. To the degree that that is unnatural is the degree that being anxious to God is unnatural for us. So Jesus comes and he says, Yeah, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to abide in you. And from your innermost being, I'm going to influence and and rewire and restructure everything about you. And it's going to take time. And it's going to be hard sometimes. But it's always going to be worth it. I'm going to rewire your emotions, the cells in your body that are storing trauma. I'm going to heal them. I'm going to touch them. As you know me, you will know who you really are. And as you know who you really are, you should know what you should always really normally feel. This is really, really important. So subconsciously and naturally, we just drive. Well, I want to submit to you that that's what it should be like when it comes to healing the sick. Just subconsciously, just naturally. I want to submit that that's what it should be like when, when and as he renews the subconscious mind to love myself, just naturally, it's just normal. I don't think about loving myself. I just love myself when I wake up. It's just natural. It's just as natural as an apple or a grape. I'm a bad apple. I'm a bad fruit. Sam is shaking his head in disgust over here. I was a banana. What was I talking about now? It is natural for a, a, a grape to just abide in the vine. It is natural for the sap to, to, 
to feed the, the fruit that abides in the vine. Does that make sense? That's natural. Well, he said, if you abide in me, if you remain in, in me, not you. In me, not you. In my emotions, not your emotions. In my nature, not that old nature that's dead. And over time, as you consistently make yourself available, as you consistently give me the benefit of the doubt, as you consistently take risks, as you consistently don't deny what you feel in the tough times, but face them by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will look back every month or so and you'll see, oh my God, I don't struggle with what I used to struggle with anymore. Now it's so natural. Because uh, it's influenced my mind, my subconscious mind, is now being renewed. Now it's no longer 90, 95% that I'm just oblivious. It's almost getting to the point where I'm becoming 100% aware of why I do what I do, when I do what I do, and how I do what I do. This is the good news. The good news is I've come to restore innocence so that you no longer have to be ashamed of yourself. So that you can have the courage to face the pain. You can have the courage to face the stuff and through it, you'll see my face behind you, staring at you. So, it is, it is so natural to drive a car. The point I'm trying to make to you is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is getting us to a place to where it's so natural to love well, to heal the sick, to do the impossible, to wake up and be full of joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of, of uh, affliction, in the midst of pressure, where we can go lay down on a boat with the pillow and sleep in the midst of the storm. It was natural. The conscious mind is normally focused on future or past. That's why the word anxiety means to divide. It means to separate. It means to distract you from the present. Because to the degree that we abide in the present is the degree that we will experience the presence. Because he's in the present. And then from that place we can go and dream and envision not the other way around, because you will die. <laughs> I'm being intentionally quiet. <laughs> I just want you to notice your thoughts. Like, Buddhists call this monkey mind. You allowed to say Buddhists in church? <laughs> I just hit it twice. <laughs> they call it monkey mind, and how fitting. It's just a lot of monkey business <laughs> that we end up doing. Monkey business, not the father's business. Monkey business, this is good. Monkey business, not the father's business. I think it's 60,000 thoughts, 12,000 to 60,000, we think across our minds every single day. 80% of them are negative. 90% of them are repetitive. So every morning I wake up, I will worry about the same thing that I worried about yesterday. And to the degree that I worry about that, that worry in my brain, literally, it just gets stronger. Scientifically, biologically, it gets stronger. And then I try to come and, and know God. You can't know God from a place of restlessness. Because He's not restless. In order to know God, you must come and surrender. That's why he gives more grace to the humble. It looks like this. I'm not going to be hard on myself for thinking things I don't even know why I'm thinking right now. I'm not going to be hard on myself because I can't stop what I'm thinking, but I can surrender that shame or that guilt or that obligation or the pressure to perform or the agenda 
and I can give it to you and I say, I love you, and I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to abide with you. And I go from, from living from my innermost being instead of my outermost doing. We live from our outermost being instead of from our innermost being. It, uh, he says, out of your innermost being will flow. A flow is a flow. Just keeps on flowing. Right now, there's a flow in your innermost being while you are as anxious as you could ever be. That should really get us to ponder. There's a flow happening in your innermost being, believer, that you and I have access to as we learn how to surrender well, as we learn how to make ourselves available. And what begins to happen, I I begin to know Him. I begin to become aware of Him. You see, you have to even look at the cultural context in these times. When this was a form of prayer, you know, it's known as uh, uh, centering prayer. Contemplative prayer. They, they got that one right, let me tell you. They really did. Go read, do your research. It's age old. It's just a form of prayer that I think all prayer should be built on. Intercession should be built on. It's a form of prayer where I come to practice silence and I come to surrender my agenda in exchange to just know you. And my God, you become aware of His fullness that was always in you. And it begins to, He says, it will become in you like a fountain bubbling up. In you, like a fountain. It's just bubbling up. It's, it's there. It's just that we're not because we're so conscious or we're so unconscious. And that's why he says, come and renew your mind, your subconscious mind. But you see, you can't do that as long as you have a guilty conscience. What is that? Is that a song I hear? What, what song is that? Is that in my subconscious or is that real? <laughs> did you guys hear that? You, you didn't hear that, Dan? Dan, you didn't hear it. Something wrong with you then, bro, because I heard it. How comfortable are you just sitting? Just sitting in silence. You know, I, I find the temptation when I come to sit and pray. I think this is what Jesus did. The word when it says Jesus went to pray while it was dark. The word for prayer there has to do with intimate interaction. It was an exchange of intimacy. Jesus came to listen more than he came to speak. Actually, he didn't come to listen because that's also an agenda. He just came to be. He came to be. Because the problem is if I come with any kind of agenda, we are so addicted to um, setting unhealthy expectations so that we can feel good when they are met that unfortunately God just doesn't work the way we work. You see, it is a privilege to walk aware of the glory of God. It is a privilege to walk in the presence of love. It really is. It's the difference between walking in that and fear. Who doesn't want to walk in love? Well, love comes from God. It doesn't come from me. So I'm the one that comes to surrender in humility. As a son, though, I'm not begging him. I'm saying, you said that I am complete in you. You said that out from my innermost being, there's a river that's flowing. It's life. It's the Holy Spirit. Well, here I am. And at times I sit. And I can, I can just feel, because trust me, my mind is just, my mind is in 2050, my mind is in 1995, all at the same time sometimes, I don't know about the rest of you. <laughs> I can't imagine what Dan and what your mind is like sometimes, you know. Like sometimes Dan will say, I wish you could just like get into my mind right now. And I'm like, no, dude. No, sir. 
No, thank you. Right, Wendy? No. Right. He's such a big visionary, it literally would overwhelm you. Like, it, you know, smoke will start coming out of your ears. And I'll sit there and I can feel the temptation to do, the temptation to go, the temptation to sing, the temptation to, to be something, the temptation to worship, the temptation to pray, the temptation to read now because I'm done. That restlessness, restlessness that he's just like chilling. He's just like, I'm speaking metaphorically right now. I'm talking about the inside world. And you learn and you understand what's happening and you just say, I surrender. I surrender. You love me. I don't have to say nothing. I don't have to pray nothing. I don't have to pretend to be anything. I just get to come and surrender and I get to let you transform me in this moment. And as I become aware of the glory that already abides in me, because you see, I am already in Christ. Christ is already in me. I am perfectly one with Him. I am just becoming aware of the oneness that always was in this moment because I've been so pulled and conscious of all the wrong things. And what begins to happen is that river begins to flow. That fountain begins to spring up and the real you is revealed to you. My goodness. I've got about seven claps in the room. That's very nice. Thank you. Thank you. I become aware, I become so full of him, and as a result, I become so full of me. But it's not founded or rooted in me, it's founded and rooted in him. So now when I, when I, I don't come out of that place, because I'm in that place, but I've got to go to the jobby job, I've got to go on with everyday life. I thought, why would I compare myself to you? Why would I be jealous of you when I'm so full? His fullness is your fullness. Because I live, you too will live. You are complete in me. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Isn't this good news? This is good news. That is so exciting. I see that clap, sister. Come on. It's so exciting that we get to preach that, that we get to preach this in this day and age. Do you understand that the gospel, for a very long time, this was not the flavor of the gospel for a very long time. That's why you had a lot of people fill out tickets that were always broken their whole life. That's a part of, of the gospel, this distant place called heaven. And I'm sure it's going to be amazing. But what about heaven in you now? Oh, I can't even believe for that. Or that doesn't even make sense. Or... Yeah, it doesn't, because you just don't know. And sometimes I just forget. But he covers it all. That's my child. Bless you. She's confirming that I am not preaching heresy right now. Because it speaks to babies like that. Who are you? You cannot fully know who you are without being fully, without being filled with the source of life, Father, originator. It's like a cell phone cannot function unless it's charged. So my real self, it says in Colossians, uh, the real you is hidden in Christ. So when I go and I, and I pray and I cultivate this relationship and I go through the rhythm, I start to see who I always was. All the shame peels off. All the trauma peels off. 
all the pain peels off, all the brokenness peels off, just like that. In the glory of God. You have a remedy. His name is Holy Spirit. You have access because of the blood of Jesus, because of the life of Jesus. Let me just talk to you quickly some more about this accusation thing. So what I find is that there's temptation, then there's accusation, and then there's judgment. He comes to tempt in the form of a question. Does she really love you? Are you really going to make it? That's not an accusation, that's a question. Is God going to come through? Now the problem is that it sounds like you, right? So you don't, so now you just, this must be me. It, it doesn't sound like, is God going to come through? You are not going to make it. <laughs> No! He would just blow his cover up completely. He no longer would have the element of surprise. <laughs> this whole thing would be so much... I kind of wish I would rather hear that, you know what I mean? Wouldn't it be like... It would actually start to get fun after a while. I would start to mimic it. <laughs> I would just start to make fun of him. But the problem is, is that your voice is a tool. My voice is expressing my thoughts. My voice is revealing what's in my heart. I am not my words. <laughs> so he knows that your voice is a tool that can either give glory to God or mock God. That can either speak life over somebody or speak death. So he comes in the form of a temptation. He asks a question. He hopes that you will bite the hook. And then you ask, is God going to come through? And then he watches as a ventriloquist. And then he says, no, God's not going to come through. And then you say, no, God's not going to come through. Now you accuse God. Now you accuse yourself. No, I'm not going to make it. You accuse yourself. And then guess what? You judge. Boom. On the thing. And, and the, the guilt and shame that's already there just perpetuates itself. And we do this subconsciously every single day for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Every single day. That's why we don't see transformation. But I'm here to tell you that the gospel, the good news, is already in you. Start from completion. Start from fullness. Don't be hard on yourself when you, when you hear crazy thoughts and, and, and things don't always work out, but come and surrender. Celebrate His goodness in the moment. This is really, really good. Check this out. Revelation 12.10 it says, then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, now salvation and power are set in place. And the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who relentlessly accused them day and night before our God, has now been defeated. Cast out once for all. They conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb and the powerful word of His testimony. Not my testimony. Not your testimony. It's by the blood of the Lamb and the power of His testimony. This is by God's faith, not your faith. This is God's love, not your love. This is me taking my faith and investing it in God's faith. Does this make sense? So, this guy got cast down. He's not accusing me on this side of the cross anymore 
uh, the, the term accuser is used in a courtroom. Let me just give you a quick definition of that. The term accuser is used of bringing a legal charge before a judge, as in a court. I wrote here, since God made peace through Christ, and since Christ has nailed all... Uh, I must have been wasted when I wrote this, because now it's not making sense anymore. Drunk on the spirit, that is. Basically, in Colossians 1, it says that God through Christ made peace with everything on heaven and earth. So, God's not accepting accusations anymore. Courts adjourned. Cases closed. But because it's his nature to accuse, what does he do now? He comes, no, no, watch this. He comes and he tries to make me think that I'm the judge. Because he knows that if I think I have that kind of power, it will always destroy me and I will never experience the life that's always flowing. Yes, sir. And so instead, his agenda is to make my heart a courtroom instead of a living room. Woo! I like that. What happens in a courtroom? I haven't, by the grace of God, needed to spend much time in a courtroom. But I don't imagine it's a very friendly, comfortable place where you can just hang out and be your true self. But a living room, on the other hand, is where you have that little thing in the middle over there and you put your feet up and you, you can get your sweats on and you can relax. You can be yourself. See, God was always a father before he was judged. And fathers like to hang out in living rooms, not courtrooms. But what happens is, is when my heart becomes a courtroom instead of a living room, you come into my proximity, you come into my courtroom. What happens in a courtroom? Something wrong here. We actually do this subconsciously every single day, every single day, every single day. But the problem is we're doing that to ourselves. Every time we do that, it's something we're doing to ourselves subconsciously. We don't realize that. That's why I just don't do it. Don't judge. And so you come into the courtroom, and instead of getting life from the living room, you get death judged. That's this accuser that got thrown down. You see, he's powerless in the sense that uh, Jesus um, gave himself as an offering for sin. Let me just read this verse over here. Listen to this. He cancelled out every legal violation. The gospel is actually very intelligent. I love this. Like being supernatural does not have to be so mysterious and so vague. It actually makes pretty good sense. God's powerful, the devil's not. It's not complicated, you know. But watch this. This is how he defeated the, the demonic, the spiritual realm that is influencing a lot of things. There's a lot of things that we don't see. Would you agree? He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. Colossians 2, I Yes. He erased it all. Case closed. Our stained soul, he deleted it. All, and they cannot be retrieved. We try to retrieve it. The devil tries to help us retrieve it. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed it permanently. 
Say permanently. There's a public display. I don't know why we keep on nailing things to the cross. It was permanently nailed. Leave it there. Walk away. It's nailed. Nailed, nailed. One time. Say permanently. Believe it. Believe the gospel. He's not asking you to understand it. He's saying believe it. He's not saying get it. He knows you don't get it. They walked with him for three years and they didn't get it. Their three years with him is probably equivalent to our 30 years with him. The, the quality. Does that make sense? And we think we're supposed to get it just like that. And if we don't get it, then we're not really believing. No. He's asking to give him the benefit of the doubt. But your spirit knows that what I'm saying is right. And there's a rest that comes with that. He goes on to say, this is so powerful. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession outside us. He was not their prisoner, they were his. Jesus. He was not their prisoner, they were his. So you give authority. There's two sides to it. It's the unrenewed mind. It's the subconscious from years of just taking things and doing things the way we've always done them. There's that things that just works on automation. Then there's this unseen reality as well. It's just not a good thing. That's why we just need Jesus to help. Make sense? But what he's saying is the way that you arm these principalities in your life is by agreeing with them. You give them authority when you accuse. It's like they can smell accusation and they trace it and they run after it. This is the gospel. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth was brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. What am I not aware of that I should be aware of? God, teach me about renewing my subconscious mind. I refuse to be afraid I'm going to be deceived by some new age thing. I, I don't care. I want truth. I want to know you, God. I will pay whatever price. I will do whatever it takes to know you because I cannot fully be me without fully knowing you. So I'm going to commit myself to practicing science. I'm going to commit myself to researching. I'm going to commit myself to studying the scriptures from the lens of I am complete in Christ. This is the scandal. He comes and he says, you are complete. Troy, you are complete in me. Stop running around looking for external things to complete you. Your completion is on the inside. This is the good news. Can you stand with me? Thank you. Wow, thank you. Very enthusiastic bunch over there. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, we just clap for you, Jesus. We just clap for you. We celebrate you. We adore you. We exalt you. We lift you high. You are faithful. We are not alone. You never leave us. Keep on clapping. You never forsake us. You are with us. You are in us. You are faithful. You are the faithful one. We say yes. Say yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes to knowing you. <laughs> if you would like some ministry from our team, if you need physical healing in your
body on the outside or spiritual healing on the inside, come on up and let our team uh, serve you and pray for you. Um, and guys, so into your your inner world. It is the number one thing. You only have one shot at this. This should be more important than any career, than any obligation. It's your inside world because you have to live with you. We love you guys. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Uh, we'll see you later. Ciao.